Welcome to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Today we got a bonus episode for you. Myself, Colbert Garand, and Nee Wallace-Bruce got to chat with Daniel Schulman. And we talked a little bit about the Major League Baseball situation. What will the Jays do going into the trade deadline? Who is the best pitcher in baseball? And who's most likely to win the Triple Crown? Let's get right into it. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, NWB, and I'm joined as always by... Mr. Kobe, Kobe, how you doing? I'm great. How you doing, buddy? Very good. Very good. Because today we have a, an iconic voice. If you watch baseball in the U.S., you will recognize him from ESPN Sunday Night Baseball coverage. If you watch baseball in Canada, you will recognize him from Sportsnet's coverage of the Blue Jays. And if you're watching the basketball in Canada on CBC in July, you'll recognize him. Coming up, it's Dan Schulman. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for that very nice introduction. Hope you guys are good. Yes, we are good. And I'm sure you'll be um, excited for the return of the Blue Jays to Toronto on July 30. Knock on wood. Very much so. It's been a long, long, long time. Almost two years since they played games at home. So uh, fans are excited. The players are excited. The broadcasters are excited. Uh, You know, in the grand scheme of things, there are obviously uh, many bigger things at play over the course of the last 16 months during the pandemic. But this baseball team deserves a lot of credit. They've been all over the place. They've had to play in Dunedin, Florida. They've had to play in Buffalo. They've played in supposedly home parks where they felt like the road team because the crowd is cheering for other teams. So um, they do deserve some credit for the way they've handled all this. And uh, everybody's very excited for them to get back to Toronto. No doubt about it. They've been playing at a very... Uh, high clip offensively and defensively, the the pitching has held it down um, more days than not. I guess the 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 dimensions of the ballparks will be too different to Buffalo, but I guess the dynamics of playing in a in a covered stadium, a stadium that won't be impacted by weather anymore, would that have an impact on the players, especially someone like George Springer who hasn't played in Toronto as a Blue Jay yet? I think the biggest thing will be, well, firstly, they're getting back to a ballpark with major league amenities. And the Blue Jays and the city of Buffalo and the Bisons did amazing things to make Buffalo uh, the best it could possibly be. And it's turned into a really good AAA ballpark, but that's just different than a major league ballpark. So in terms of the clubhouse and the uh, the weight room and the training room and the batting cages, it's, it's everything's just going to be uh, at a higher level. Uh, the next thing I think will be just, again, that they will have fans who everybody knows will be cheering for them all the time. So uh, even when the Yankees come to town and they're starting off with a capacity of 15,000 people, I don't know if it's going to go up okay. in later home stands, but it'll be 15,000 at the beginning. But I think it's important for players like George Springer and Marcus Simeon and even Hyunjin Ryu, who's in his second year as a Blue Jay. None of these guys have played in Toronto as Blue Jays. And I don't know if it'll be quite the same experience if the ballpark is not allowed to be filled to capacity, but being a Blue Jay is a unique experience. They have an incredible fan base, both in the city of Toronto and right across the country of Canada. Uh, And I think for those guys to feel what it's like to be a Blue Jay and and play in front of Canadian Blue Jay fans will be very special. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Now, I will say that I will not be cheering for the Blue Jays when the Yankees come to town. I'm a Yankee (laughs) fan, but we'll leave that for another time. Kobe? Yeah, you said the number was 15,000, it can change, whatever. But I'm thinking that given the fact that things are just beginning to open up here, 
I mean, every fan's got to be worth three. They're going to be so excited to just see professional sports, period. It's got to be, it's going to be live, I think, when it actually comes back to town. Yes, absolutely. And forgive me, I don't know where you guys are joining me from exactly. So if I say here or there and I'm mistaken, but um, the the 15,000, I think you're right. I think it'll feel like 40,000. And uh, the plans initially, they are allowing fans in the lower two decks. The upper deck is not going to be in use. So the 15,000 will all be close to the field as well, which I think will make it a little bit louder. Uh, and again, health permitting, uh, I hope they can get to 30, 35, whatever. Uh, when the Blue Jays are good, um, the fans are nuts, and they'll get 48,000 every single night, and it'll be the loudest 48,000 uh, in Major League Baseball. So, you know, one step at a time. I think everybody is still, um, you know, still living off the the rush of them getting a chance to come home and play at home for the first time in a couple of years. And, and like you said earlier, they're good. You know, they're they're good enough to make a run at a playoff spot, um, and they're going to have some very big games in Toronto coming up in the next couple of months. Yeah, I feel like they should make the playoffs. It looks like they, they should really get there. And just so you know, yeah, we're, we're both, me and I are based in Toronto, I believe. Oh, okay, great. I, I think me actually lives on Blue Jays Way. If yeah, I'm I not. live across oh. the road from the ballpark. So I, I usually hear the home run horn every night, which is fine. Uh, got it. Okay, good Good to know. I was assuming uh, I was assuming uh, somewhere much more exotic because of your refined accent. So I, I didn't realize it. So. I, 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 did, did, I did grow up in Australia, and I did used to get up in the middle of the night to watch games because oh, I don't wow. like baseball that much. And gotcha. yeah, your voice is one of those that, I do recall from those days. So your voice is international. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, yes, I'm. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm quite global, but I have dabbled outside uh, North America, and, and a lot of the stuff I've worked on, I guess, for ESPN has been has been carried uh, around the globe here and there. But uh, no, it's good to know you're Toronto guys. So okay, so you're for you are uh, are more familiar, and and I, I think it's going to be great. And. Uh, there's going to be a buzz downtown uh, when the Blue Jays come home. There will be people walking around on Blue Jays Way in Front Street and Bremner Boulevard, For you sure. know, uh, wearing hats and wearing jerseys. And and like, imagine what it's going to be like at the Jays shop at the ballpark. Most of these people don't have, might not have Guerrero jerseys or Bichette jerseys. They certainly don't have Ryu jerseys or Springer jerseys or Simeon jerseys. And um, you know, the fans miss the team, and the team misses the fans. Uh, I think, and and I think that bond is going to be. Uh, recreated instantly as soon as they get home. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, even with uh, Euro having just passed, normally I'm used to the city. You see, I mean, the different country European jerseys everywhere. This year, because of the the lockdown, because you really couldn't go and celebrate at places, you didn't really see that, right? It was the most subdued I've ever seen Toronto yep. during a Euro Cup. Yep. And I imagine with the timing of things, the fact that we're just opening up now, the Jays are coming back. You got to expect that the merchandise sales will have to go through the roof. I think everyone's going to be wearing something Jays related as a result of that. Absolutely. But a speculative uh, question for you, just a quick little question. Do you think there's a move they should make to sort of solidify their chances of getting to the playoffs? Yes. And I think they've already made some nice moves. I think they've picked up a couple of pretty good relievers in Adam Simber and Trevor Richards, who I think will help. Ryan Barucki getting healthy and coming back to the bullpen, that will help. Yeah, that's huge. One of the things that plagued them early was just health. You know, George Springer missed two and a half months or whatever it was. Teoscar Hernandez had COVID. Lourdes Gurriel was out for a while. Steven Matz had COVID. They're the healthiest they've been all season right now. And there's no question they're better than the, as we speak, they are 48 and 42. There's no question in my mind, they're a better team than that, that injuries held them back. And then the bullpen letting a lot of close games get away 
held them back. Their run differential is something like plus 85, maybe? It might even yeah, be more than that. It ridiculous. might be plus 95 or something, I think, which is crazy for a team that's 48 and 42. You know, and that suggests they're really good, but they've lost a lot of close games, and they lost them because the bullpen wasn't very good. So uh, I definitely think there's room for one or two more pitchers, whether it's a starter and a reliever or a couple of relievers. Uh, you can't have too much pitching, and and I think they will be active. Uh, you know, every indication we've gotten over the last two years from the front office, uh, contrary to occasional public uh, opinion, is they are active. They they signed Hyunjin Ryu, they signed George Springer, they signed Marcus Simeon, uh, they re-signed Robbie Ray, they traded for Stephen Matz. Um, they made five trades at the deadline last year: Taiwan Walker, Robbie Ray, and some other guys. So. Uh, I definitely think they're going to do something. I think they know they've got a good team. Now, that having been said, they play the Red Sox a lot between now and the trade deadline. Seven games, I believe. You know, going two and five is different than going five and two. Yeah. They've got to keep gaining on the teams they're trying to catch. The, the better they play, the more motivated I think the front office will be to make moves. Yeah, no, that makes total total sense. Me? Yeah, no doubt about it. And they might be catching the Red Sox at a good time recording on July 19 and the Red Sox maybe going into a little bit of a slump. I know some players are banged up, but anyway, the like you said, wins are important right now, build up momentum. And with a couple of front office moves, there could be a real run in the works. Thanks for listening. And be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. Now, my question is this. Is Vlad Guerrero in the frame for the Triple Crown? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think as we speak, he is leading in batting average in RBIs, and he's second in home runs. So he's right there. Uh, he's in the conversation for a Triple Crown. He's in the conversation for an MVP. He's in the conversation for the greatest offensive year any Blue Jays ever had. And he's in the conversation for one of the best years any 22-year-old has ever had. Like when you go back and look for guys this age – having this kind of a year, you you know, names like Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio and Jimmy Fox start coming up. So what he's done has been beyond remarkable, and we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, there's no guarantee he can do this year after year after year as gifted as, as he is. This is a special, special season, and he'll always be a very, very good hitter. Um, but what he's doing this year is kind of absurd, uh, actually, to do it. And, uh, you know, it, He's talented, he's working hard, he's smart, he's got a good game plan at the plate. And all year, he's had either George Springer or Teoscar Hernandez hitting behind him, Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette hitting ahead of him. That helps too. It's not like you can pitch around him that much because there are a lot of other good hitters on the team. So it's all kind of come together. You know, he got in much better shape. He lost weight, as you guys know, coming into the season. And the sky's the limit for him. And, and to be honest with you, when I sit there and call the games... Sometimes you feel like just laughing. It's so absurd how good he is. You know, he goes two for four with a single and a double, and you're kind of like, yeah, he was okay today. Like two for four with a single and a double is hard, you know? And then the next day he hits a couple of home runs. So um, he, he is a, a once in a, in a decade, I think, kind of offensive player. He really is. And, and uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, a colleague of mine at Sportsnet, had a great tweet a couple of days ago. He said, here's, an, here's another perspective on this. Four of the players the Blue Jays just drafted last week in the draft are older than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. He is younger than four of the players um, that they just drafted. So, like, guys his age are just getting drafted and trying to claw their way up through the minor leagues, and he might win the Triple Crown. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, all five players the Toronto Blue Jays drafted last week were pitchers. 
So there's definitely a commitment to the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they yeah they definitely. Well, it was a twenty round draft actually, and I know uh, I know in the first ten, nine of the ten were pitchers. That I know. I, oh, I don't yes. remember exactly rounds eleven through twenty, but the strength of this organization in the minors, without question, is position players, and mostly it's infielders. At every level, they seem to have two or three guys: shortstop, third base, second base, combo, uh, and they're all terrific. So uh, I think it was a very smart move for them to go out and get pitchers. Sometimes it's you know the scouting people look at the draft and they go, wow, this year it's stronger in pitchers. Next year it could be stronger in hitters. But uh, I think it's very smart for the Blue Jays to go out and develop pitchers. Uh, And if you need to go out and supplement your team, you can go out and get hitters, trade for hitters, sign hitters. It's harder to trade for pitchers. And I think it's harder to sign pitchers to come pitch in the American League East because Rogers Center is a good hitters park. Yankee Stadium is a good hitters park. Fenway Park is a good hitters park. And and you know, it, it's you're really going to have to pay a guy to go up against the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, you know, as, as often as they would if they were Blue Jays. So I think developing pitchers, it, you know, it, if you the tipping point is if you got two guys, I think go go draft and develop your pitchers. You can you can sign and trade for hitters later on. No doubt about it, Kobe. Yeah, speaking on pitchers, how do you think the Jays stack up against uh, Boston when it comes to starting rotation of pitchers? Uh, I think right now the Blue Jays' rotation is better. Um, you know, Robbie Ray's pitching at an all-star level. Hyunjin Ryu was very good his last time out. Hasn't been as good this year as he was last year, but he's still a good pitcher. Uh, Alec Manoa, coming up from the minors, has more than held his own. Ross Stripling has been a surprise, in my opinion, since he got put into the rotation. He kind of reinvented himself a couple of months ago, and he's been really good generally. And then Steven Matz has been hot and cold as the fifth. So... I think they're in a pretty good place with their rotation. Now, could they go out and get another one, trade for Jose Barrios of Minnesota or somebody like that? Sure, if they want to pay a high enough, a high enough prospect price. But um, again, this Blue Jay team, you look at 48 and 42 and you go, eh. But look at what they are right now. Right now, they're without question one of the two or three best offensive teams in baseball. I think they've got a good, solid rotation. Not a great one, but a good, solid starting rotation. And a better bullpen than they had a few weeks ago when it was blowing up all over the place. Um, it's again the bullpen could use more improvement, but it's better now than it was. This this team right now is the best that it's been all season, and that's all great. But now they got to go do it against the Red Sox. They can't just beat up on Texas. They gotta they gotta hold their own and win more than they lose against the Red Sox as well. And do you think that there's a sort of equivalent to the Blue Jays on the National League side, a team that's that doesn't have the record but has the team? That's an interesting question. The National League side is a little more clear-cut, I think, in that you've got three really good teams in the West, uh, in the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres, all of whom are likely, I think, to make the playoffs, although the Padres have a lot of injuries right now, but they're they're still a good team. Milwaukee's kind of running away with the Central, and the East is just a mess. So, um, you know, the Mets have had an incredible number of injuries, and you keep waiting for them to get healthy to see what's going to happen. And then yesterday, Francisco Lindor and Jacob deGrom both go on the IL. So I don't know that the Mets are, are ever going to be able to figure it out. So I, I'm not really sure. I don't know that I see a team that reminds me of the Blue Jays over there, to be honest with you. I, I think the Blue Jays are a little bit unique this year in being significantly better than their record suggests. Again, run differential is just one way to look at it, but there there's nobody in the National League with a so-so record and a great run differential. That team doesn't exist in the National League. So, um, you know, I think the Blue Jays are kind of unique that year in this regard. 
Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. Me? When when Kobe just asked that question, for me, the team that came to mind was Atlanta, but they have been banged up a little bit, and yeah. the, the Blue Jays definitely had a strong offense, probably the stronger rotation as well. But just staying in the National League, a lot of the talk around Jacob deGrom, who's now on the IL for a couple of weeks, is the record with the ERA and Mr. Gibson. Do you think Jacob deGrom stays under that number? Well, the first thing you hope he gets, he comes back. You hate to always hear that a pitcher's gone on the IL with a forearm issue because you don't know exactly what that means. Is it minor in short term or is it a symptom of something more serious? So first and foremost, I hope that he gets back. Um, he's I th- he's at just over one right now. I think last I looked and Gibson was 1.12. So mm-hmm. now I believe overall there's more offense in baseball this year than there was in 1968 when Gibson set the record. Sure. 1968 is commonly known as the year of the pitcher. So, you know, an equivalent ERA this year in my mind would be a better accomplishment than what Gibson did. But, and this is a, this is a significant but in my mind, Gibson went out there and started, I don't know how many games, 38, 40 games, completed a lot of them through well over 200 innings. Jacob deGrom probably won't even get to 150 innings this year, even if he comes back pretty soon. So there's that aspect of it as well. So it's kind of hard in my mind to compare apples and oranges, but Jacob deGrom, all that having been said, is an incredible, incredible pitcher who got a bit of a late start because he was a position player in college for a while before he switched over to the mound. He didn't get up to the major leagues until he was 26. He's going to be a really interesting Hall of Fame case if he continues for five, six more years being great because he's not going to have 200 wins and he's not going to have 3,000 strikeouts, I don't think, or anything like that. But his ERA, his opponent's batting average, his base runners per nine, his walks per nine, strikeouts per nine, all of that's going to be off the charts. So... Um, sometimes I think he gets shortchanged a little bit. Part of that is because uh, he just hasn't been healthy this year, and he's had terrible luck with the Mets in terms of them scoring runs for him. But he's the greatest example ever of a win-loss record doesn't mean very much. If you're 10-9 and nine or 8-9 and nine or whatever it is, you can still be a great pitcher. It's just your bullpen's bad or they didn't score for you. So uh, I, I think when healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. I don't know that there's much doubt about that. You know, we've had great runs recently from guys like Verlander and Scherzer, incredible pitchers. But right now, Jacob deGrom is clearly the best in my mind, whether he ends up on the right side of 1.12 or not. Yep. And and like you said, the Mets have had a little bit of an issue with run support at times, but Jacob deGrom has a sneaky bat as well when he's yes. at the plate. I think he's 400. I know the plate appearances aren't at the minimum that we use, but... um. He's sneaky good. Well, now, there was there was one moment this year where he had driven in more runs as a hitter than he had allowed as a pitcher, yes. which is maybe the most insane baseball stat I've ever That's heard. Crazy. That's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> no, he's an awesome talent and uh, NL MVP elect, in my opinion. Now, can we just get one bold prediction from you before we let you go? I know we're, we're in the final inning of this interview. We're in the ninth, <laughs> bottom of the ninth. <laughs> What are you looking for? Well, I'm I'm not a bold guy by nature, but uh, how can I help? <laughs> just you? anything, like just it doesn't have to be uh, mind blowing, but just something that um, something we can look forward to for the rest of the season. 
the Toronto. Well, oh, oh, you want a baseball specific? Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, no, no. I, or whatever. Oh, whatever. I, was, whatever. I was going to go out on a limb and say the Toronto Maple Leafs will win a Stanley Cup before I leave this earth, but I'm not very confident in that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about um, a bold prediction. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they were. Th- I was three months old the last time they won a cup, so I don't have any memories of that. And I would like for me, and even more so for my sons, who are such big fans, for them to win a Stanley Cup. So I think that qualifies um, a, a, as a bold prediction. So we'll go that. So. Uh, for for baseball, um, all right. Well, let, let's let's do Vladdy. Let let let's since you asked about it, uh, I, I say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will win the Triple Crown and will win the MVP in the American League this year. Nice. All right, there we have it. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Dan. We appreciate your time. You're very welcome, guys. Be well. Enjoy talking to you. Yeah, great time. Take it easy. Okay, Take thanks. Care. Take care, guys. See you. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We appreciate the support as always. In case you missed it, we have a newsletter coming out this August. And it's written by our resident funny man, so you know it's going to be fun and engaging. Justin, tell us more about it. Thanks, Nee. In this letter, I tell you everything you need to know about last week's episode in the rundown section, included with links from Tuesday and Friday's episode. Another section of what to come, and my favorite part is the media fun stuff. In that, I tell you which movies you could watch on various streaming platforms if you liked what we had to talk about. Listen, fans, because no sport is left behind, it's important to know what's been happening with the Pro Sports Podcasters. By signing up for the weekly newsletter, we will have you front row center for every interview and analytic discussion. So do yourself a favor and sign up. The link is in the show notes. Be part of the conversation and enjoy some of the fun. Once again, we thank you for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters.